Fresh off a Canadian road swing, the New England Revolution are back at Gillette Stadium this Sunday night under the lights. The Revs on the board, right at the jump. Only five home games remain with the MLS playoff race heating up. Look at that, the Revs have taken the lead. So don't miss this cross-country showdown when the Revolution take on the LA Galaxy. That gives the Revs home crowd something to cheer about. Kickoff is set for 8 p.m. Get your tickets now at revolutionsoccer.net slash tickets and bring the noise. Welcome to New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast, the podcast for serious soccer players and their supporters to help further their development and navigate their way throughout their soccer careers. And now, here's your host, Matt Langoni. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast. Today I'll be joined by Worcester Academy girls soccer head coach Jen Marino, who is entering her 10th season as head coach at Worcester. Jen, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And, you know, we're going to spend a lot of time today previewing um, this upcoming 2022 girls prep season. But we should kind of start with the last season that you're coming off of, which was a special one for the program. Another great, great season. Uh, I believe you finished 17-2-1, advanced to the NEPSAC Class A championship game. Uh, Just kind of recap last year and what was it about that squad that that helped you guys enjoy that special season? Well, I think um, it was a year that was a long time coming with the, the season prior to that being canceled due to the pandemic. And uh, not only for our returning players who had been with us for multiple years, we also had a, you know, several uh, kids transfer in as juniors during that pandemic year. So we had a whole bunch of kids, both returning and new that year, show up to campus, have no games, show up to training every day, uh, and still work to build our our culture and and connection. Um, And we really had made the most of that season in that year, um, made the absolute best of it that we could, but it was hard. It was hard, you know, to have... I'd say what is everyone's favorite part of the school year, just kind of the competitive part of it taken away. Um, And so I just felt like there was just so much great energy going into that summer ahead of last season, knowing there was going to be a season. Um, You know, I just don't think we took anything for granted anymore. So it was just great energy from the start uh, that carried through preseason, through the season, um, and it was just really happy for me uh, to see the, these girls that have worked so hard finally uh, get some, you know, competitive success and results. And um, so there, we had we had a veteran group, um, but it, there was also this sense of urgency from everyone because uh, of how long it had been since we had been able to play games. Um, and and so we just kind of carried that and. And, and continue to grow and progress as a group. And, um, you know, we were able to be a, a very good attacking team. It was definitely a year where our, our, our attacking players were very talented and seniors. Uh, and when I find when you have both of those things, um, you, you often will get kids that not only are super talented, they're mature, they're experienced. They don't let the pressure get to them. They're, they're clinical with their finishing. They, they take their chances when they have them, um, where, you know, when you have younger attacking players who maybe are equally as talented, 
they don't have that composure. And so, you know, the the run of play and the possession may look the same, but the score may be, you know, one nothing as opposed to five nothing because the younger players maybe just didn't have that composure to finish their chances. And you can still get results. Uh, but last year we were in that latter category where, you know, we had, you know, from Sheridan Berment and Allie Murphy up top, that those are two not only talented but very experienced girls. Um, because I think as as a striker and attacking player, that composure when finishing and the ability to score from you know multiple places inside and outside the eighteen and hit your shots and take your chances that that definitely develops with age as you go through high school for anyone even even the best strikers. Did you feel like? When you were in it last year, you know, even early in the season in September, did you feel like that was a championship level team kind of right off the bat? Yeah, yes. And, you know, I think you never, you know, as a coach and you just never think too far ahead. And, you know, I think we were just taking it week by week. We definitely felt like we had that, you know, potential to be special. Um, but again, I also think it was great to have that BBNN in the back of our mind. And I love that we played them so early in the season in such a, that one was such a close game. Um, we actually, it was 1-1 and, and we lost with uh, two minutes left um, off a corner kick. Um, lost 2-1 in a, in a great, uh, it was actually an ugly soccer game, but it was a great <laughs> game. Um, and, uh, you know, that it was just, you know, really good that we got to play that game in September. So everyone knew what that final like level, if we really wanted to be that championship team, needed to be. Um, and, and we had a lot of other great tests along the way. Choate, Hotchkiss, amongst Milton Academy, that was a battle. There were so many great challenges along the way. Uh, but, you know, I think everyone will tell you BBNN was another level, and we were striving for that. Um, you know, and, and I think we got as close to it as we could. We fell a bit short at the end, but we don't regret anything because, um, you know, I think having that next level to strive for in anything it, is where that growth really happens. And, so in a way, I feel like having that, you know, BBN there brought out the best in us um, and, and, and so forth. We're going to discuss BBN a little bit more yeah. going forward because, I mean, it, it's hard to ignore the, the run they're on. But what, what kind of momentum uh, does your program carry over from last year? Does that, I mean, I think the experience, any kids you have back from last year, that experience of, of playing um, hugely meaningful games, especially in November, has to have a carryover. For sure, because that was the other thing I noticed for our group. Um, even though we had a lot of older attacking players on the field, we actually missed out on the playoffs the year before the pandemic um, and then didn't have playoffs you know, or anything the next year. So even for our seniors who had been with us for four years, you know, our playoff game against Hotchkiss was the first playoff game for us in, you know, it, since their freshman year. And so for our seniors that were on the field that were with us for four years, it was their first playoff game in a really long time. For our juniors, you know, it was their first playoff game ever. And then for our seniors who had joined us during their junior year um, and even our postgraduate, Allie Murphy, it was it was a lot of people's first playoff game. So even for feeling like we had a veteran team, um, you know, I sensed the nerves before the quarterfinal game. Even, even as coaches, it was like the first time we really – had this like extra level of competitive game um, for, you know, for, for two years. And so there was added excitement, but there was definitely added nerves. And 
I think we we settled down as you know the the first quarterfinal game. You know, it, we made some mistakes and it was a rocky first half. We settled down in the second half, and then we're able to kind of I think it was two two at halftime with the quarterfinal game against Hotchkiss, and we were able to you know put a few goals in the back of the net and take that game decisively in the second half. But um, it was kind of a uh, the second half really settled us and gave us confidence. I felt like we played with most confidence from start to finish against Westminster in the semis. And then I just, I saw those jitters and nerves and, and just, you know, excitement uh, for that championship game. And, um, you know, I, I, I think it forced us to not get off to a great start. And when you don't get off to a great start against BBN and you concede a couple goals early, that's, that's really hard, uh, you know, because then you, you have to just keep going forward. There's no defensive adjustments you can really make and, um, you know, that was uh, that that put us in a hole early and, and made that game tough. And, you know, I think it just it meant so much to everyone and they were so excited. Um, I think there's a you know, sometimes um, it's very real to be too excited. And and maybe that was us where I think BBNN had more composure because they had been there the last time, you know, the championships were held. They had won the whole thing. So and all of their players had, uh, who were on the field had at least experienced going through a whole playoff series and winning it. So, you know, I'd like to think next year we have a lot of, you know, we have a high percentage returning group from that team that will have been there before um, and um, just kind of be able to deal with that excitement and, and those jitters a little bit better. So now we mentioned uh, early on, this is your 10th season coming up at Worcester Academy. How much more firmly do you think the program is on the the prep school map now? I mean, as opposed to when you took over 10 years ago, do you feel like you guys have have really just made strides to become part of that, like, you know, shortlist conversation of teams that are contenders in Class A? I mean, how much have things changed from now to when you started? Um, Well, I wouldn't even just say within our program. I think girls prep school has changed a lot since I – started here and then but prior to here I was with assistant at Deerfield for a few years and then I started as a teaching fellow assistant with Lisa Yol at at Andover so in I guess now the you know 13 seasons I've seen it's it's just changed a lot um there's been a m- much bigger emphasis on recruiting on the girls side um and I think that's brought higher quality of of players and play across the league um and especially with the top programs and, and we're definitely someone that, you know, uh, we're a program that has worked hard to recruit really good fits for the school and the program. Um, and it's a big part of my job. And so I think it, we just have a different type of player here now than when I got here. Um, players that are, you know, uh, you know, I think really focused on loving, like really love, uh, a little bit more soccer focused where, you know, we probably had more multi-sport athletes where that's a whole nother conversation. And I'm not saying one's better than the other. Um, I just think that that kind of is the shit become the shift in, in girls prep a little bit. Um, although, you know, we, we value and every time we can have multi-sport athletes and we have several on our team every year, it, it really is awesome. Um, but I think that, um, we, we've kind of, you know, uh, brought players in that are really here uh, to get a great education and they have a common goal of like wanting to play college soccer at the next level. Um, But that being said, the program 
I mean, I, I was just lucky to take over a, a very successful program. The, the previous coach had probably the most successful seasons in program history. Um, they were in class B uh, and they, you know, won the championship. I, I can't quote it off the top of my head, but I think like two of the three years they were in class B and then they moved to class A in 2011 and won the title. And then he, um, he coached for one more year and then left after that. So, I mean, the, the previous coaches definitely, you know, put the program on them more than on the map and, and gave it the base that anything else that happens is built off of. And then I think, you know, we've now just sustained that success in class A. I think that'd be the best way to describe it. And, um, you know, we, we try to be in, you know, compete with the top teams every year and, put them on our schedule and try to play the most competitive schedule we can and, and see where we fall because, you know, we want to just want to be challenged and the years that we have, we come together in the right way and are able to rise to that level, you know, great. But, you know, no matter what, by playing the best teams, it, it will bring the best out of us. And I think that's what we've been able to do year out, year in and year out. You're one of the few city city schools in the NEPSA. Yeah. I mean, you're right right there in the heart of the city. So does that does that help at all with recruit? I mean, that offers something a little different than maybe it being definitely, out. I think we have to be the right fit. You know, um, I I really really believe in what we do academically and athletically, and and I tell our recruits all the time if if you love academics and you love soccer, I, I can't imagine a better place to be. Um, you know, I'm I'm an example of that. I, I was a chemistry major. I teach chemistry here. Absolutely love our science department and everything we do. And and then I get to, you know, coach soccer, uh, you know, the, with with the rest of my time. And I just you know, I can't imagine anything better. And I really feel like, you know, we're, we're not shy at Worcester Academy to say that we academics, we can be great at academics and we can be great at athletics. Um, and to me, they've always gone hand in hand. And I like to find recruits where they really have passion, a passion in both areas. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think that if you're talking, uh, you know, we're, we're in a city, so we're not in the, we don't have a prep school bubble, right? You, you can't ignore our surroundings when you come to school here every day. Um, and it definitely gives us a different feel. Um, it, we value community service that our school and our, all of our programs uh, complete within this neighborhood. Um, and it makes that service feel very real um, because we're, we're, we're serving the, the community that we live in. So there's context. It, it's not um, isolated. And I just think that it gives us a, a very grounded feeling um, and a feeling of, um, you know, a, a very real world feeling that I think sometimes can uh, escape uh, a school if if it's really you know isolated from the real world, um, if you will. So I think we we definitely attract kids that that type of environment makes them feel comfortable. Um, we, you know, a lot our our we call ourselves the the non pretentious prep school um, <laughs> because we have kids that really are you know are great academically and athletically, but they they don't have that pretentious air about them. 
I love that. The non-pretentious prep school. I think you got to put that on some t-shirts or something. I mean, yeah, I know. I don't know. Again, we're not really, I'm not about slogans, but that's kind of. I'll tell you, that's uh, a goldmine in the prep school world. You start, so that slogan would do well with a lot because like (laughs) that, that pretentiousness is what, what probably turns a lot of people off. Right. So Uh, I, I like it because in my recruiting, I, I like to reach out to a lot of people who might not have never, who might not have ever thought prep school was available to them or never even knew about it. Um, you know, I grew up in Methuen, Mass, right in the middle of all these prep schools, just never even thought that it would be a possibility because you look at the price tag, but you don't realize that financial aid, you know, need based aid does exist. So, you know, I, I love sharing that message with the families in, in Central Mass and, and beyond and, and seeing, you know, if, if we can make it work out. Uh, right. So, you know, I think that's that's something that I find really fun in recruiting and then that means we, we get the the type of kids here that are really choosing us and want to be here new england's soccer journals the goal will return after this hey here's a great new idea in fundraising soccer heads new england comedy fundraisers this is better than a stand-up show it's an event that your community will never forget you'll get soccer themed comedy with paul nardisi who has been on conan o'brien and nesson comedy all-stars along with Dave Radigan from Sirius Radio Comedy and Jim Ruberti. There will also be giveaways and all sorts of extras. Want to make money for your soccer club and have fun while doing it? Email the guys at SoccerHeadsNewEngland at gmail.com. That's SoccerHeadsNewEngland at gmail.com. Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. Looking to keep up with all the latest news and information on New England soccer? New England Soccer Journal and NESoccerJournal.com are the premier resources for information and inspiration on the New England soccer scene. Have every issue of New England Soccer Journal, the magazine, delivered to your home or office. And don't forget to stay in the game every day with a digital subscription to NESoccerJournal.com to receive soccer coverage on clubs, college commits, prep and high school, division one, two, and three colleges, showcases, rankings, and so much more. Get in the game and behind the scenes now by going to anysoccerjournal.com. Just click on the subscribe button and start the subscription that is right for you today. New England Soccer Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful. So when we look at, um, you know, New England girls prep soccer as a whole coming into this 2022 season, um, we, we've mentioned BBNN, Buckingham Brown, Nichols a bunch, and it's, it's hard not to. I mean, they're, they're 21-0 last year. I think 34-match win streak going right yeah. now. Allowed, you know, allowed two goals all season last season. They were the only team to beat you guys last season. Um, yeah. 
do you look at them? Are they kind of the team that everyone's, I know they're going through a coaching change because Graham Blackman is, is right, no longer yeah. the coach there. So there will be some change yeah. there, but do you in other programs around new England view them as kind of the favorite again, coming into this season? I mean, until they lose a game, I don't <laughs> think you, you can't view them as that. Um, and you know, they, Graham did a, a, a great job of not only recruiting their upper school, but like really stacking their middle school. So they, they have a lot of what, lot coming back um and i'd say for the next two years for sure that they they definitely have a, a lot of talent um so I, yeah i would um i think there's going to be even more teams at that top level this year than there were last year um i feel like the thayers cho is going to be excellent uh you know i i know hotchkiss was excellent and will probably still be next excellent ne- next year westminster was up and coming and will only get better Nobles will be good. Uh, Andover will be better. Um, you know, Rivers is going to be excellent, even though we don't actually play them on our schedule. Uh, Tabor Academy should be very challenging. Um, you know, those are just to list a few. Loomis will be great. Um, so I, I think there's going to be, I think it's going to be even tighter in the, you know, the top one through, you know, eight or so than it was last year, which is exciting. What is it about BBNN that, I mean, you mentioned kind of that they've just loaded with, I'm sure, the depth of the talent that, that they have that they can put on the field. But what is it about their style of play that presents challenges for other programs? I mean, they just were, they had special players everywhere up top and everyone last year especially talked about that. But for me, what made them different, because we, we, you know, you can face attack, good attacking players and have a plan, was that they had, you know, two of the premier players in the country as their six, Molly Martin, and as their center back, Caitlin Mara. And so that those two allowed them to press with such crazy numbers. Um, and then normally, how do you get out of that? You, you play longer balls to intermediate targets. But Molly and Caitlin didn't allow that to happen either. So they were able to play with such a suffocating you know, press by the end of the season. They worked up towards that for sure. Uh, that And it was because they had it on the other end to keep them secure. Um, and so just the, the pressure, the athleticism and just the numbers they could send forward. Um, it was, we, you know, we, we couldn't solve that problem in the final. Um, and, you know, I've watched the film a lot and there's definitely things we could have done differently, but I don't know if we would have been able to completely solve it last year. So that to me is what made them different. So you'll play them. I think I just saw in your schedule, September yeah. 21st, you play them again this year. Yes. Um, yeah. And then, possibly another postseason match we'll see um who who are some other squads on your schedule that you that you'll be seeing this year that really um I mean I know in in prep soccer it's one of those deals where like you know every every match takes preparation and you're not overlooking Mm -hmm. anybody but are there a few dates on the schedule that you're looking at and say okay we gotta we gotta really be ready for that I think well definitely Cho uh they were good last year I think they have an All-American who um, had a season-ending injury last year who's coming back. He always recruits well, and I'm sure he'll have more players. Um, So I think they were very solid last year, and they're going to be even better. And we just have such a great – I'd say it's a great relationship with Trope. We we have so many great games over the years that have just been back and forth, gone gone our way, not our way. Um, And it's always fun, and it's always a battle. So – um, you know, we've kind of developed a little bit of an unofficial rivalry rivalry with them. Um, I think our our first game against Nobles, um, I keep mem- mentioning Hotchkiss. I just there has never been a year where they haven't been tough. Um, so Tabor, um, you know, we the, 
we even play Suffield Academy early on, and that you know they're the defending Class B champions. Miss Porter's is always a great game. Um, off the top of my head, those are just a few. There's many more. Um, like you said, you really can't overlook anyone, and um, like I, uh, I really feel like um, almost every team will be better this year than they were last year with that extra year recruiting out of the pandemic. Now, were there any surprises to you looking back last year at the the Class A playoffs? Was did that did that go kind of how you thought it was good? Were there any matches that you recall in like the quarterfinal that stuck out? Nothing. I don't think it was it was surprising. I guess maybe some people. I guess we're, we're surprised that Tabor, you know, made it to the, you know, to the semifinal game. But again, knowing, knowing how talented they are and how great of a job Steve does that, you know, that wasn't too, I don't think anything was super surprising. Right. Um, I think there was about five teams that really anyone could have made the final four and and four of them did. So um, that's kind of how I see it. Yeah. Do, do you coaches, do you guys talk to each other much in the off season about what you have coming back? I mean, is there a lot of co- um, ongoing conversations? Sometimes or? there hasn't been as much this year. Um, you know, uh, I, you know, I, I do work for stars, so I do talk to Graham a decent amount. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I often will touch base with the choke coach and, um, you know, it, it hasn't been as much chatter this year. Sometimes. Yes. Um, for whatever reason, I think everyone's just busy this summer and, you know, I'm sure we often will talk before each game, you know, kind of, oh, hey, it will be fun to see you on Wednesday and, and kind of do it that way. Yeah. What areas will you be strong in this this coming season? And I, I believe you have a you have a few Division One college commits already for the season. Right. So we do have we have a good core group of older players coming back that are really talented. Um, juniors, Kaz Beardfeld and Avery Galanti, who have committed to Holy Cross and South Carolina, respectively. Um, we have senior, uh, seniors, Maggie Carroll, uh, who is committed to St. Anne's Limbs, Lacey Bogwa, who is committed to Brandeis recently, and Elizabeth Finn, who is committed to UNH. So, you know, that, that cool. And then, um, you know, we have other seniors and juniors who will, will, uh, be big contributors. Um, you know, goalie Bea de Jesus, um, and, uh, I, you know, that is a nice veteran core definitely to lead the team. Um, but we do have a, we have a huge sophomore class of 2025s that are very talented. Um, and then three really talented incoming freshmen. So I think our, you know, smaller, ju- but talented juniors and senior classes will lead the way. Um, and then we have a lot of numbers, uh, and talent in our sophomore. Uh, our sophomore and freshman class. So, um, you know, I, I I think we'll be strong. You know, we have talented returning players across each line. Elizabeth Finn, um, you know, uh, Avery and Kaz, um, Avery in the midfield, Kaz in the back, um, and, and players all around them. But then there's going to be a lot of new players and younger players that are going to be asked to step up and take a role. And I'm I'm really excited to to see them you know take that opportunity and see what they do with it so there'll be a little bit more unknown um but i think we will be deep even maybe deeper than we were last year um even if we're going to be a little younger i you know i told the team i want to play as many kids as we can without the level dropping off and i don't see why that can't be 15 16 maybe even 17 kids regularly we'll see um we have to see but i i I'm excited for that, and I I think we may be able 
to have a deeper subbing rotation than we've had in the past, which I know will only help. Maybe I'm just driving the the hype train here, and I know coaches hate preseason hype, but uh, Worcester Academy is going to be a great place for soccer fans to visit this fall. I know the boys' program has big expectations. You Your team yeah. should have big expectations. How do you kind of um, temper that, you know, when, when, when the kids come in for the first day of training and you start really gearing up for that season opener, how do you kind of knock those expectations down and, and take things day by day? I mean, I just... I think we've been saying all along and we'll continue to say and say it every year, you know, what happened last year, we should learn from the experience, but it has no bearing on anything this year. Every single team is a new team. I don't care whether you return one starter or, or, you know, 10 um, or 11, like every year it is a new team um, and it has to form its own identity and there's no shortcuts. And, and so, you know, I, I understand that and it's our job to get the girls to understand that. So, you know, I think that's where we're at. We don't take anyone lightly. We know how tough every game is, how every game was tough last year, irregardless of the score. So, you know, I think the girls know it's never going to be easy. Um, they also know, know that every single team we played last year is going to be a good amount better. Um, and I think it helps that we open with Noble's, Suffield and Tabor right off the bat, three teams that are going to be up there for challenging in their divisions and um, that are, you know, we're going to have to be on our best to, to compete with. So I, I think that helps and, um, and they, they want to be successful and I think they know what it takes and we need to make sure we're doing those things so we can be as successful as we can be. What are these next, couple weeks leading into that season opener are going to be like what are the main objectives aside from that stuff you just mentioned but what are uh, what are the things you really want to nail down before you take the field for the first time um well i i want to develop the chemistry um on and off the field you know re- really trying to focus on what inclusion really means and looks like and that it's an active thing that needs to be worked on every single day and it doesn't just happen naturally. So I think we have to start there and everyone needs to be comfortable and everyone needs to feel like this is a family. Um, Because if we can't get to that point, we're not going to be able to accomplish anything on the field. So that's objective number one. And then we can focus more on the soccer once we start in preseason. And I think just, you know, identifying um, a style of play and game model kind of on both sides of the ball that we want to have as our base and then, you know, go into the first week of the season with that. And then we can worry about making adjustments and add, you know, wrinkles as the season goes on. So I think that those are the main objectives for the first few weeks. But again, you can't accomplish anything on the field if every single player doesn't feel included part of it and, you know, uh, really feel like part of the family. Great stuff, Jen. I know you got to jump on that bus, so so we'll yes. let you go. But we really appreciate you uh, taking the time, and obviously, best of luck this coming season. And I'm sure we'll be in, in touch frequently. Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Take care. Thanks again to Jen Marino for joining the podcast. I'm Matt Langoni. Thanks for listening. New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast is produced by Steve Safran and is a Siemens Media Production. You've been listening to New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to our podcast. Or visit anysoccerjournal.com forward slash podcast. 
Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful.